From time to time, I receive these excellent questions from my listeners, current students, or former students that everyone should hear. You know, the kind of question that more than one or two people would really benefit from the answer. And I can actually hear myself say something to them like, this is such a good question. I wish you had asked that during class. So I've gathered a few of those questions for this week's installment of Ask Miss Brayden. In today's class, we address some of the questions that have made it to my inbox, voicemail, or after class chats over the past few months so we can address them together. You never know. The answer to your career question could help more than just you. We'll talk about the Q's and the A's together right after this. The skills that pay the bills. Resume writing, interview skills, professional networking. Okay. Hey. Serious, serious applicants only. The skills that pay the bills. Resume writing, interview skills, professional networking. Okay. Hey. The skills that pay the bills. Resume writing, interview skills, professional networking. Okay. Serious, serious applicants only. The skills that pay the bills. Resume writing, interview skills, professional networking. Okay. Serious, serious applicants only. The skills that pay the bills. Okay, we've got two really great letters today, so let's just jump right in. The first letter comes from one of my former students, and I'm going to change the names of everybody to protect their identity. So we're going to call her Jan. Okay, so Jan writes, Dear Miss Braden, I've got a second interview coming up later this week, and I've heard in the past that their starting pay at the, at the company was $12 an hour. I had a really great first interview. The hiring manager mentioned that he is building a team and needs people that can grow with the company. When is a good time to negotiate for a higher pay? Before the pandemic, I was working in a similar field, the medical office, and was making more money per hour. After being laid off, I have been working as a delivery service driver for the past few months. I feel really confident that I'm qualified for the position and have the experience and requirements, but want to ask them for at least $15. What should I do? All right, Jan. So that's a really good question. And I feel your I feel you really because $12 an hour is not a, a good wage. Uh, even now, um, and, and the, the, our government is negotiating a, a starting minimum wage at 15. And so, uh, honestly, I, I feel like they, they should be ashamed of themselves for offering anything less than a $15 for someone who has the education and the skills in the very same industry. 
However, here's a few things that I thought uh, off the top of my head that you could do to start the ball rolling without being uh, too aggressive. Uh, and not saying that aggressive, being aggressive is a bad thing. Just saying that we want to gently um, enter this uh, into the conversation. So right off the bat, I always suggest that uh, applicants wait until the conversation turns to an offer, a formal offer, as well as the employer or the recruiter ask you about how much compensation you require or some how much money you want basically and my suggestion would be to give them a range of course uh, you may want to start at 12 but then end at 15 or 15 and a half if you go slightly above then maybe they can meet you somewhere in the middle uh, but i would also ask questions about things such as what are some of the promotional periods, regular promotional periods of that uh, company? So can you expect an evaluation of your wage at three months or six months or 12 months? You know, what is the, um, the evaluation and what are some of the things I can expect at this company? So that could be something that would help get the ball rolling uh, in terms of asking about being paid more or when you can expect to be paid more. Another strategy would be to ask them about tuition reimbursement. Uh, if, if an employer sees you as a ambitious employee or someone who is looking to to make more of their economic status, then you're definitely going to be the, the type of person who is looking to be well educated or more educated in the future. And so with that furthering of your skill set comes the requirement that they have to pay you more. So just in a sneaky way, uh, you ask them about tuition reimbursement. Does this company offer some type of tuition assistance or reimbursement program? And then with that conversation should include, you know, some of the things that uh, go along with having more education or more skills or more training for that particular career or that job. And my last suggestion would be somewhat of a an overall strategy uh, move would be that you start communicating in terms of annual salary. And so having a conversation about $12 an hour $13 an hour, $14 an hour, $15 an hour. Start saying things as in terms of $24,000 a year or annually. When you begin using the terminology of a salaried employee or an annual employee, it helps to shift the mindset of the employer or the recruiter to a long-term type of candidate. You're no longer someone who is just there for a wage per hour. You're there for the long haul. And those candidates are typically salaried or there for the year or multiple years. So start talking about, uh, you know, $24,000 is a bit less than what I'm used to. I really would like to be somewhere in the range of thirty dollars to $32,000 annually. When you communicate in terms of annual salary, 
it can help convey the message that you are in it for the long term and honestly the fact that you've done the math so hopefully that can help you a little bit Jan I really appreciate your question and do follow up and help uh, let me know how things turned out and I'm sure the rest of your classmates would like to know how those strategies how you implemented those strategies and how everything turned out so best of luck for you all right so now we're going to take a little break but when we come back we're going to hear a letter from one of your classmates who has a very common request that letter right after this <laughs> All right, letter number two comes from another one of your classmates. Let's call him Raymond. Raymond writes, Hi, Miss Braden. I need help with my resume. I'm currently working, but looking for something closer to home and honestly having a hard time getting interviews. So, yes, Raymond, I got your email. And uh, if you can hear, I, I actually printed out the resume and if you can hear the pages wrestling uh, let's just go through this line by line because some of the things that are maybe problematic for Raymond's resume could be something that could help a lot of other people with their resumes too so the first thing that I wanted to point out is the fact that Raymond is a, he's in a five-year experience path and so he has uh, a, he's looking at entry to mid-level opportunities in IT let's just put it at that and so even though he's got that five years of experience he doesn't really have enough to put to warrant more than one page of a resume and I say that because really when employee employers are looking for candidates they have tons and tons and tons of people they may be looking for through their uh, resumes and they want to see the best things right up front or right on the first page to be uh, just aware of their time and their effort and their energy just go ahead and make your resume that highlights real of the best of your qualifications education requirements everything needs to be right on that first page and delete pages two and three so Raymond, go ahead and just scale everything down to one page. And that's going to be my first suggestion for you. Now, secondly, I'm looking at your name, your contact information at the very top of the page. And that is a great placement of it. However, you've got under contact, you've got the words, uh, you've got telephone, and then you've got alternate telephone and your email. My suggestion would be if you have the best telephone number, go ahead and just list one telephone number one email address and then use your LinkedIn profile use the the uh, address for your LinkedIn profile is that third means of communicating that way you're inviting them to learn more about you if you've got three pages of content good add it to the LinkedIn uh, website don't have it on your uh, PDF document that emailable document or that printable document that you're sending to employers so that is my uh, second suggestion, which is to scale down that contact list section, one telephone, one good telephone number, one good email address, and then your LinkedIn URL. And so even saying that, 
Raymond has the header, the side headings uh, of telephone. He's got the words T-E-L and colon, and then he's got email and colon. And so you don't really even have to put that. You, you can save space, save the ink, save the octopus, save the whales, save everybody, save a tree, <laughs> and then just limit it to the information. Just start out with the phone number, just go ahead and put the email address. You don't have to put those side headings on there. We know what the content represents, okay? Okay, so right underneath the name and the contact is a profile or a summary or an objective section, which is great. He's uh, identified his as profile. And it is one, two, three, four, five lines of information. And it's a really good um, profile statement. And... I'll just read it in a summary. It says detail-oriented IT technician with five years experience, proficient in troubleshooting computer software and hardware, adapted operating and demanding environments, dependable, technically proficient, adaptive, attentive, and physically capable, comfortable with strenuous work, seeking a position in congruent fields of IT. Okay, so this is a strong statement. However, it could be a little bit stronger. So I would suggest sticking with how many years of experience. That's the first statement. The second statement tells about what specific strong points of skill sets that he has. And so he says proficient in troubleshooting, computer software, and hardware. That's perfect. The next sentence gives a little bit about how you feel about yourself. I'm adept in operating in demanding environments. Well, that remains to be seen. Raymond. So I would suggest that leave that determination up to your co-workers, your employer, your manager, and just let them add that in a space we'll call the uh, letter of reference, a referral. And so let's say things that are specific about your skill set and leave those objective soft skill statements to someone who's talking about you in their perspective. Uh, that will give us a little bit, uh, free up some space and honestly give us more of an impactful, objective statement. The last sentence uh, talks about seeking a position in a congruent field of IT. I would, instead of saying something that is uh, a general IT in the field of, I would give a very definitive, the title of the job you're applying for. So if you are applying for help desk technician or widget repair professional whatever the exact title of that that particular job title is whatever the job title is go ahead and name it in the objective statement whatever you want to call it but definitely list it there that gives us a very specific goal toward your whole document all right so pretty good so far Raymond the next section talks about his skill set it's a skill section and it lists some very specific skills with the name brands and the types of skills that he has very good and then underneath the skill section is the education it is listed in reverse chronological order which is the way it's supposed to the very the most recent thing is at the top of that section and it's going backwards to the least the most recent to the least frequent <laughs> recent and so at the bottom of that list he has listed his high school and the dates when he attended high school and so I would say that that's a no-no go ahead and take high school off your list anything that you have uh, completed beyond high school 
gives us the information that we need. We don't need you to list the name of the high school or the dates, nor the dates that you have attended there. All right, and so underneath the education um, section, he's got work experience. All those things are really great. He's got the companies he worked for, the position he held, and the dates that he actually worked there, which is awesome. I would suggest that you limit the bullet points to three or four with the most details for the most relevant or the most recent job that you've had. And so the current position, he's got one, two, three, four, five details, which is okay. But then it goes on to the next position uh, that was he held, which has one, two, three, four, five, six bullets, six on the next one and four on the next one and three on the next one. I would suggest whittling all of this down so that you have just a few things for each detail and giving us the most pertinent thing, uh, giving the most detail to the most pertinent job experiences or the, the most recent, which would be the one at the top of the list. And then have this at least one page to one and a half. And sometimes employers will say, well, I don't mind looking at more than one page. However, if you can, let's say your goal is to get it all on one page. Even if you miss that by half a page and just say you go over, you spill over to the next half page, at least it's still, you know, you focused in on the most important things of your document. So that would be my suggestion. Do your very best to get it down to one page. Even if you miss the mark, you're still going to be somewhere around a page and a half. The very last thing that I will say about Raymond's resume is that he has used a personal pronoun in the details. And so I monitored, I resolved, I created. You can definitely eliminate the items by just eliminating the personal pronouns. I, me, my, all of those. We know what the document is referring to. We're referring to the person who's named at the top. So you don't have to include statements that start with the personal pronoun. Always start a resume detail statement with the action verb. So resolved, prioritized, or used active, you know, those types of things are um, action verb oriented statements. And so you don't have to start statements with a personal pronoun. So all in all, it's a really good resume. But it could be a lot stronger with those few details just to tighten things up. I wouldn't say that this would keep you from getting a job. But if there are 10 other candidates who have really strong resumes, then yours may be pushed to the back because it's just not a, as strong a presentation as the other ones. And they may have the same or similar experiences. And that could be the difference in just getting a call in for an interview. You never know. Okay, so that being said, we're going to close out this pod class. But if you have any specific questions or if you're interested in any of the things that we talked about today, you want to hear more, please do share and subscribe to this pod class. We're going to talk about a lot more career strategies and professional development things that help you win at the game of job search and getting the very next and best job that you're looking for. So with that, until next time, 
don't forget to subscribe and share this information if you've heard one thing one thing that you feel like you can implement or uh, tell someone else that can help them actually make a better presentation or get a job or change the trajectory of their career please do share and subscribe All right, that's a wrap for this pod class, but never fear, the lessons and discussions continue online. You can sign up for the milestone giveaway at bit.ly slash serious apps. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash capital S-E-R-I-O-U-S capital A-P-P-S. Or you can email me at thesaoshow at gmail.com. And let's link up. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at Tanya Brayden. And even if you didn't catch all that, the links will be in the description. This has been for serious applicants only.